Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, No episode these past two days. I mean, technically, Sunday morning kind of counts as Saturday's episode, because if I did one on Saturday night... Compared to Sunday morning, probably not big of much big of a difference because I'm sure if I post, you know, an episode at 8:30 at night, not many of you listen that night. Maybe the next day, so not too big of a difference. But anyway, big episode today. Bet this is going to be one of the longer episodes. I don't know, but I think it will be because we are going to be discussing the breaking news of Andrew Luck's retirement. We're going to start with that. And then we are going to be talking about the Patriots week three preseason game against the Panthers. I know this is a bit late, but hey, the preseason week three is still going on. And I feel like most people have been talking about other things lately. So I I think it's still relevant. I want to get down to some of the uh, takeaways from that game, kind of the dress rehearsal week. We saw some starters play, so I do think we should definitely talk about that. And then my top 10 players at every position in fantasy football. Well, not every position. My top 10 players at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end for your fantasy season. I know yesterday, Saturday night, was kind of the big draft day. But I have a draft today. So if you haven't drafted already or you just want to hear it for the entertainment anyway, we've got that. I was just going to talk about Patriots takeaways, my top 10 players of fantasy. And I thought that would be a pretty big episode. Now we're going to talk about Andrew Luck as well. So first, let's get to the... Big Andrew Luck news, so let's get to that. So, wow. I'm shocked. This is one of the most shocking retirements, possibly since, you could argue, Michael Jordan. Uh, As I'm going to... I want to read this first, because I feel like this is something from ESPN, written by Bill Barnwell. He's a writer there, and it's titled, The NFL Altering Andrew Luck Retirement and What Comes Next. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but I'm going to read the stuff. I think it really puts things into perspective about how shocking this is. Uh, so he wrote, it's not, a, it's not hyperbole. Andrew Luck's stunning decision to move on from the NFL is the most shocking retirement American pro sports has seen since Michael Jordan left the NBA in 1993. The circumstances are obviously different, and we've seen players such as Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson leave the game earlier than anyone anybody would have expected, but 29-year-old quarterbacks in the prime of their careers just don't get up and leave. This isn't just a franchise-altering decision. It alters the entire complexion of the NFL. To put this into context by pro football references approximate value statistic there has been two players in nfl history have posted better seasons in their final nfl campaign than the indianapolis colts quarterback and then retired by choice before turning 30. One is former Vikings running back Robert Smith, who ran for 1,521 yards at age 28 before moving on. The other is Jim Brown. No quarterback has made the Pro Bowl in a season during his 20s and then immediately immediately retired since, I'm sure everyone knows this name. No, not really. Johnny Lujak. And if that name doesn't ring a bell, it's because Lujak retired in 1952. Before probably all of you were born. Some of you may be older listeners were born then. But, you know, you're not super old if you were around then. But I'm just saying most of you guys are probably younger audience. I don't know who that is. That, that's just, just shocking. There 
are players who retired before turning 30 after serious injuries, and perhaps it's unfair to leave Luck out of that group. He played through a shoulder injury in 2015 and 2016 before missing all of the 2017 season undergoing surgery, and while Luck was excellent upon his return in 2018, he struggled with a calf injury all offseason. In both cases, the organization expected him to return a matter of weeks. In both cases, Andrew Luck's body didn't respond the way he or the team expected. He was facing another uncertain rehabilitation and injury that seemed to linger months after it should have gone away. Some players have bodies that can tell them to give up the the game in the mid-30s. Luck's body gave way way years earlier. So, wow. I, I was just in shock because Andrew Luck, if you don't know me, I'm a Patriots fan first. Tom Brady all the way. And I'm not... I. I don't know if you consider me a Colts fan, but they're my second favorite team. Now, I have, like, second favorite teams like, you know, the Trailblazers in the NBA or the Heat. It kind of – it used to be the Heat, but I don't, I don't really like them. But I don't know why I kind of do at the same time. But I go with the Trailblazers as my second favorite team probably. But I don't really root for them. The Colts were one team that I – my second favorite team that I actually somewhat rooted for. And Andrew Luck was my second favorite player in the NFL. I've asked for his jersey for the past few years now. I've wanted it bad. I just haven't been able to really get my hands on a jersey. And my birthday's right around the corner – and my brother's like, yeah, I'm going to get you an Andrew Luck jersey every single year because I just wanted at least a Colts jersey, if not an Andrew Luck jersey. And then he says, you know what, this year I think I'm going to buy you one. Yesterday, that was, that was what he said. Pro, you know, maybe the price is cheaper, as he said. I don't know. He, he Now he thinks he's going to buy me one. I don't know if that's really going to happen. I mean, I'd still take it, but I, I just was in shock when I heard this. I mean, apparently the Colts had been aware – for a little bit now that Andrew Luck was pondering retirement. I mean, you feel this guy. He's such a nice guy, too. Such a good sport. And for the first time on that podium, I really saw him stressed out. You know, you always see, like, a you know a happy Andrew Luck in some way, always smiling. And he, you know, you didn't really see that on the podium yesterday. Obviously, he's not really happy about retiring, but you kind of saw him a little stressed out. Like, this is how it felt this whole time. And throughout it all, I mean, that guy's had it tough. Like, he's had the talent, he's played well, and then he gets injured. All the time. And you just have to feel bad for this guy. I mean, some people call him soft for this decision. I don't. I don't. I think, you know, there's obviously, you know, maybe a little bit. You could, some parts you could say, well, he's retiring at 29 because he's saying rehab's getting too tough. Personally, there's going to be those people out there who thinks he's soft. I don't really think he is. We read it off again. I mean, this guy has just been banged, constantly banged up. I mean, look at the injury past 2015, 2016. He plays through a shoulder injury, which is not easy when you're a quarterback. He misses 2017 after undergoing surgery. So he played through injury for two years in a row, shoulder injury, then goes through surgery, has to rehab for another year. Then he goes into the 2018 season as a great season, but now he's rehabbing again through the calf injury for these past four years. He said it, he feels stuck. He feels like, yeah, I get injured, go through all this injury pain, then I go through rehab just to play and then get hurt again. I don't blame him for this decision. Luckily, also, the Colts are nice enough. Adam Schefter reporting, despite the fact that they could have recouped $24.8 million from their former quarterback, the Colts already have reached a financial settlement with Andrew Luck, in which they will not take back any of the money they are owed. League sources tell ESPN, which just shows that is something that Players are going to look at, I think that's going to make 
I mean, those are just those little things. We talk about the Celtics trading Isaiah Thomas. Anthony Davis's father said, I don't want to go there just because we don't. they don't feel like they're loyal. But I could see a player or two looking at that and showing interest in the Colts and that being a big reason why the ownership in the front office is loyal in that sense. And they've seen what Andrew Luck's done for them. Andrew Luck has done great things there. Obviously, he didn't have a lot of time to do so. When you retire at 29 and you were hurt half that time, it's tough. But, like, this guy was supposed to be an MVP candidate. I was talking yesterday, an hour before he retired, about how the Colts were, especially Andrew Luck, was going to have a disappointing season. I thought the injury was going to be a little more than you thought. I thought we were going to see... I think also the expectations were really high. You know, we talk about the Browns' expectations being really high. The Colts may be that next team that just had a little too high expectations. Don't get me wrong, I li- I love the Colts. They're a second favorite team. I liked Andrew Luck, but I found the injury a little scary. Like, this is another injury. I think he's going to be a little slow. I think he's starting to get sick of this. And I thought the Colts were going to be a little disappointing this season. Now, I mean, the Colts, I don't know what to say about I mean, this also opens things up for that uh, division. The Titans might sneak in as another wildcard team. Again, I really don't want to see the Titans make the playoffs. They're just such a boring team boring team they're probably the most boring team in the NFL and I think I've called the Jaguars a sleeper all year I was like I, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to say they're gonna make the playoffs but I've called them a sleeper all year long and now with the Colts kind of out of things unless Jacoby Brissett really steps up I don't want to say the Colts are out of things but I don't think they'll make the playoffs anymore that really opens up this division for the Jags to really have the sleeper season that we were ta- I was talking about at least. Uh, it opens things up for the Texans to really take home the di- division pretty easily as long as the Titans stay mediocre and the Jags don't do what they did two seasons ago. You know, I think they're a sleeper, but I don't think they'll go that far. So, I mean, this is just really shocking. I think it's sad as well. Just It was so shocking. It's one of those moments as a sports fan where I just – I don't know. I, I just didn't. I just wanted to forget about it. It was really just stressing me out. I don't know why. This is why you also don't make predictions. This is why you hold off your fantasy drafts. I have heard people, not only this, because this rarely happens, but people have fantasy drafts because they're so eager to do it early August, late July. Not the way to go at all. You know, you got injuries in the preseason. Maybe this happened. Like, this is rare, but for those people who picked Andrew Luck, and he retired. On fantasy draft day, like later in fantasy, like that is the big day. Yesterday, I know my player rankings are like a day late, but yesterday is the big day for fantasy drafts. It's like the number one day. And he retired, so obviously he probably doesn't really care, but I don't blame him for that. No, 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 no. I mean, he did it well. He could get the word out there during that preseason game. You do you. But I don't know. I just, I found it kind of sad and... You could see he was stressed out, and he really showed his emotions and how he's felt for these past four years or so. Now, he's going to go down as one of the greatest what-ifs in NFL history. I mean, this guy had a ton of talent, first overall pick. We saw what he could do when he was healthy with, you know, and this also goes back to the days where they had a horrible O-line a few years ago. Obviously, now that O-line has been revamped into one of the best in the league. But his first few, uh, first few years in the NFL, what, it was really bad. I mean, that guy was just getting banged up every single game. I mean, I don't know if it was bad as like Ben Roethlisberger's O-line when he was a rookie. Uh, but it was up there. You know, it was 
worst O-line of all time. I don't know if I can call it that, but it was bad. It was. It was always kind of, a, you know, a joke. And it was one of the big reasons the Colts, you know, I don't want to say we're bad, but they struggled some years was because Andrew Luck is the heart and soul of that team, and they couldn't keep him healthy because the O-line couldn't keep him protected. If you give Andrew Luck in a better O-line, not only will he stay healthy, he'll probably play better, have more time to throw the ball. So, you know, and he won't have to worry about getting hit on every single play. So then they revamped the O-line. It was clear that they thought, well, Andrew Luck, you know, at the time he was 27, 28 when they really did a good job with it. You know, they draft Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, guys like that over these past few seasons, figuring, yeah, we need it. I mean, it doesn't even matter if Andrew Luck's back there, Jacoby Brissett, whoever it is, but they figured, you know, we need to keep Andrew Luck healthy because when he's healthy, we're a good team. When he's not, we're a bad one. So let's revamp that O-line, keep him healthy. And he's still, he's been healthier, but now this calf injury was just it. It mentally wore Andrew Luck down. I don't know if it was the right decision, but Andrew Luck thought it was a very his hardest decision of his life. You know, I don't know. Maybe if I was Andrew Luck, I would have tried to go through the NFL one more time. But the more that I think about that, that probably would have led to rehabbing again. Like, even if he wasn't in the NFL, he'd have to still have to rehab if he got banged up again. So I think this calf injury was it. Yeah, Andrew Luck probably sat there and said, yeah, I'm probably going to be, you know, all right. This calf injury would probably be okay by, you know, week one or two, maybe even at latest three. So, that's not the big deal, but what if I get hurt again and I go through more injury pain? And I think he said, that's it. I'm done. I've just been stuck in this spot. And luckily, again, the Colts, very loyal, aren't going to take any of the money he owes, uh, that he owes them. He's going to let them keep it. So that is big. Uh, now with Jacoby Brissett, I just don't know where this Colts team is going to go. They have some young talent. Like the O-line's young. It's very good. Uh, you know, the receiving core, it depends. The receiving core to me is not very good. T.Y. Hilton feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's been able to stay pretty young, but he's no, you know, rookie. Uh, you know, it depends what can Paris Campbell bring you. Eric Ebron, to me, is, isn't is really a great tight end skill-wise, but he's a big dude and he's a good red zone target. So you have some sort of – I'm not sure Eric Ebron's going to be able to do what he did last season, but you have a red zone target there at tight end. If he can do what he did last season, if Paris Campbell can step up, that's one young wide receiver. Darius Leonard's great. He's going to be one of the best inside linebackers in the league. But around him, you need to build up the the defense. But, you mean, you look at the draft picks. They had three. They had no first-round picks. Three second-round picks, a third, a fourth, a fifth, two fifths, a sixth, and two sevenths. So they had a lot of draft picks. They did not pick a quarterback. So it's clear that they didn't think Andrew Luck was going to retire this soon. I mean, of late, they've known Andrew Luck was pondering retirement, but not at that time. It was only a few months ago they thought, well, Andrew Luck's going in here as an MVP candidate. We were discussing just a few, like yesterday, we were discussing Andrew Luck potentially having an MVP season. Now he's out of the league. Not because he got suspended, not none of that. He chose to leave. And that is such a tough decision as an athlete because Andrew Luck knows the talent. He has the talent. He knows he has a good team. He has the talent, but he just couldn't do it anymore. And that's when you know, you know, you if you want to call him soft all you want, Andrew Luck has gone through a lot and he has to realize maybe he's, you know, gonna be protected a lot better. 
with this revamped revamped O-line that he has been, but he got injured again, and I think that injury was the last straw for Andrew Luck. So that's my discussion with Andrew Luck. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, the thing, that is the most you'll ever hear me talk about a retirement. I mean, retirement to me, it's like, yes, this player retired. I don't usually bother to talk about it, but when it's Andrew Luck retiring or maybe like a Tom Brady, when it's a really big name retiring or someone retiring so shockingly like this, I'll talk about it. Uh, you know, it's just like when those older players that are starting to get washed up just retired, it's like, yeah, he retired. Nothing to really talk about. It's hard to talk about retirements, like really get a good segment out of them, but this one is just, just so – it's so uh, just shocking. And I wish the best for Andrew Luck. Uh, but now we are going to get to the Patriots uh, preseason week three game slash takeaways. So let's get to that. Okay, week three of the preseason, perhaps the most entertaining. If it were up to me, weeks two and four of the preseason are out. But what's the most entertaining week of the preseason? Week one or three? Week three, you're going to get more starters, but it's still not really game action Probably week one. I think week one I was the most into. Week one I was like, yep, let's break this down. Like, I was actually excited. I didn't go around picking games. I don't care about the score. I want to see how individual players do. And, like, quarterback, wide receiver chemistry, stuff like that. This is the second or even the most entertaining week. I haven't really watched a whole lot. I didn't watch a ton of the Patriots game. I was actually recording a podcast during some of the Patriots preseason game. I watched the highlights, watched some of the game, obviously, but it's just hard to stick around for the whole week. The, the Titans game is really boring. Oh my God, that was a snooze fest. This game was a little better seeing the starters out there, but between week one and three, those ones you get a little entertainment out of week one, no starters play, but it's just the first week of football and you'll take anything. Week two is usually super boring. Week three, you get a little more entertainment. You get to see the starters in there. And week four is just, you're already talking about week one. You're just like, oh, I don't care about that game. I just want the regular season to start by then. But week two and four is just so boring. Week one and three, you know, it's I'll take the NFL regu- regular season over that. I'll take the one good thing about the preseason, I will say, it's summertime. Okay, so that's the one good thing. I like the time more. I'll take summertime over any time of the year, and this is the only time I'm out of school in summer. I start school in two days, so I'm not looking forward to it. But anyway, enough about me. You won 10-3 against the Panthers at Gillette. You're now 3-0 in the preseason. Now, I don't take anything out of that, really. I mean, it's just kind of – I don't know. It doesn't really – Panthers are 1-2 if you really care. It doesn't really – again, I don't care about that. It just shows, I guess – Bill Belichick, I don't know. There's nothing to take out of that 3-0 record. But you won 10-3 and to 10-3. to Jeez. Tom Brady started the game, won 8-for-12, 75 yards. I thought Tom Brady played too much. If it were up to me, Tom Brady only plays a driver too. I know a lot of people were saying, why are we playing your starters, especially Tom Brady? What do you get out of starting Tom Brady, who is 42 years old? I mean, he's on the, you know, these extra snaps, if anything, probably hurt Tom Brady because you want to salvage his arm. In my opinion, I'm fine with him getting out there for a drive or two because Tom Brady, I mean, yeah, knock on wood, but he's not injury prone and he protects himself too well uh, to really get hurt. And I think that you need the drive or two because look what happened with Jacoby Myers. You need to gain this chem- in-game chemistry with some of these receivers like Jacoby Myers because you look at what Myers did, seven catches for 74 yards. Him and Tom Brady didn't seem like they were clicking 
with a ton of chemistry. Tom Brady's trying to find Brissette, but Brissette, uh, not Brissette. Why am I saying Brissette? Trying to find Jacoby Myers, but Myers really was just dropping balls and there were incompletions when Tom Brady was throwing to Jacoby Myers. And then we saw Myers with Jared Stidham and they looked like the next Tom Brady and Gronk or Tom Brady and Julian Edelman, whatever you want to say. Just they have a ton of chemistry. Tom Brady and Jacoby Myers. Not as much. I mean, Tom Brady speak pretty, spoke pretty highly in training camp over Jacoby Myers, but still, you know, I just want, I just sit here and kind of say, that's why I like to see Tom Brady get in there. Because as much as you want to salvage, you know, Tom Brady's arm, and, and you know he'll be ready. You just want to get him an in-game drive or two against some starting players, and that's the big thing for Jacoby Myers too. He's facing starters and. All of these guys, like Jacoby Myers, Chase Winovich, or even Damian Harris after what he did last week. We talk so highly about these rookies. Now let's go see them play starters because, yes, they're lighting up the backups. It shows that they'll probably be a solid backup player. But we can't really hype them too much until we see them play the starters. And Myers did well, but he did better towards the end of the game with Jared Stinham rather than Tom Brady when there were more backups in for the Panthers. So, I, you know, I don't want to speak too, too highly of him so far, but he's looked really good. I mean, Philip Dorsett got seven uh, uh, receiving yards, uh, seven receptions, and 47 receiving yards. Him and Tom Brady click so well. Philip Dorsett, in my opinion, needs more snaps played and he needs more targets because he's one of those guys who, when you target him, he gets the catch. And he's always has a few big weeks. Like last year, uh, his big-ish week was the Houston game. And, you know, you're like, oh, Philip Dorsett had a very good week. Then the next game, he's not – next week, geez, I'm stumbling, not in the game plan. So I want to see more Philip Dorsett. I mean, maybe that's a guy that Bill Belichick tries to hide away and not show off too much. I don't know. But he needs to play more, at least a little more. Tom Brady loves him. Uh, he's a great weapon for Tom Brady. There's just a lot of chemistry there. And Tom Brady uses him well. And whenever you seem to throw the ball to Dorsett, it seems to be a catch. I mean, I just want, I like Philip Dorsett. You traded Jacoby Brissett for Dorsett, if you remember, uh, a few years ago. And he's gave you solid production for the snaps and targets he's getting. He just needs to get more targets and get more of a chance to really get his name out there and play a, just needs to play a bigger role in the system, in my opinion. Again, maybe that's a guy that you want to try to keep hidden away. Like, you don't want to show off too much, one of those types of players. But in my opinion, I'm not really sure Philip Dorsett, again, he's not the guy that should be getting hundreds of targets each, each season, but he should get more targets than he's getting. He does not get a lot of targets. I want to see more Philip Dorsett this season. I think everyone does. You saw Ryan Izzo in there, one reception for 18 yards. Uh, Tom Brady made a great pass to him in the red zone. I mean, that was probably Brady's throw of the day. I mean, that was such a great pass. It was in tight coverage to Ryan Izzo, who's, again, a bigger guy. He's, he's got a nice build to him. But we've heard a little chemistry between Izzo and Brady, and you like to see that because he could be your tight He might have to just be your tight end because look at, like, Benjamin Watson's going to be out for the first four weeks. You don't know what he's going to do out of retirement. So Izzo might have to be the guy, especially for those first four weeks. So it was nice to see that. But outside of that, he didn't have any catches. There was the pass interference called on him. Not on him, but on the defender that was on him. Sit him, threw him a ball. Uh, it was kind of a lousy pass interference call, uh, to be honest. But 
they called it anyway. So him and Sidham didn't seem to have a ton of chemistry. But outside of that one throw, he really didn't do a whole lot. But that was a great throw and catch uh, and nice chemistry from Brady to Izzo. To Moon Patterson, one catch for 17 yards. Again, I don't think he'll be anything. Uh, someone I want to get to, Gunnar Olszewski. Olszewski, I don't know how to say his name. He had one catch for 15 yards uh, running the ball. No, that's receiving. One catch for 15 yards, and then it was in the special teams where he was great. Like punt returns, four returns for 63 yards. He had one very good return where he broke a tackle, and then he just trucked their kicker uh, on the Carolina Panthers. That was nice. That was fun to see. I will say, though, Steven Goskowski has struggled. That's two missed field goals for Goskowski. I'm wondering if it's time to replace this guy because he's missing kicks in the preseason. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm kind of sitting here, and if Goskowski struggles this season, especially early on, I could see you giving him the boot. I mean, he struggled in playoff games. He's always money in regular season games, high-pressure situations, he's not very good. But if all of a sudden Goskowski, you know, misses a kick or two in the first few weeks, we might give him the boot. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked just because I'm starting to see Goskowski decline a little, his leg at least. And he's missing two kicks already in the preseason. This is the lowest of low pressure. So I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that one. But the defense was great. The defense has looked so good throughout training camp, throughout preseason so far. It's looked great. It was amazing, especially the pass rush in week one. Week two, it wasn't great. But to be fair, like your backups were playing Marcus Mariota. I hate Marcus Mariota, but still, the Titans played some starters that week. And they still didn't do horrible, the backups. And then, the you know, you faced the starters on the Panthers. You played some starters. But, like, Ufoma... Kamula, I've never heard of this guy. Five tackles in a sack. Uh, let's see. Chase Winovich, maybe. No tackles. No sacks against the starters. So that I wanted to point out because I said Chase Winovich. Huh? No sacks. No tackles. No nothing from Chase Winovich. I think I saw one or two QB pressures from him. He really didn't do much. Didn't do much this week against the starters. And that is a bit of an adjustment that Winovich is going to have to make. And these backups, I mean, you you got guys like Winovich and Meyer, Jacoby Myers, Jared Stidham. These guys who have been hyped up so far on the Patriots this preseason to go up against the starters. So they feel like they're riding high and they feel confident. And then they go up against these big starters. And Stidham did well, Myers did well, Winovich could have done better. But I still think Winovich will be able to do good. I'm not going to hate on him from one bad uh, preseason game. I still think that was a great pick outside of this week. He's had a great preseason training camp, all of that jazz. Then you had guys like, Byron, I just want to point this out. That's why. Why not just go with Brian? Byron. Byron Coward, uh, tackle. Uh, he had a tackle. That's a guy who I, I, I just don't know if he's really going to do anything. I really only wanted to say him because his name. I just want to throw that out there. Byron, like, like, what's up with that? Calvin Munson, two, three tackles. Therese Hall, two tackles. So, uh, Kyle Van Noy had a sack and a, uh, two tackles. And then you had a sacks from Adam Butler, Michael Bennett, 
So, you know, you, you got to the quarterback a decent amount of time. And then for the Panthers, it was just a big loss this week. Cam Newton suffers a foot injury. He throws four for six for 30 yards. The thing about that is Cam Newton's one of those guys who's injury prone. This is why, like in fantasy, don't pick Cam Newton because the guy's just banged up. I'm not sure. I don't like the system he's playing in either. He's constantly banged up. I'll stay away from him. But luckily for the Panthers, it's not anything serious. Will Greer goes four for eight for them. I love Will Greer. I like that pick because that's kind of like a backup pick. Let's try to develop him in case Newton gets some big-time injury, big-time blow, whatever you want to say. Christian McCaffrey, uh, three carries for 16 yards, and then he had one catch for 10 yards to drop that ball early in the game. But staying to the Patriots, I want to get to the rushing game and then to Jared Stidham before we wrap up this segment. Rushing-wise, Nick Brissett had led the team in carries, 14 carries for 53 yards. Why am I still seeing Nick Brissett run the ball so much? First week, I think he had 22 carries. Next week, he had, I think it was 11 or 12. This week, 14. I've seen enough. This guy is just consistently averaging like two two yards a carry, 2.5 yards a carry against backups. Now, this week, he went out against the starters, gets 14 carries, 53 yards. 3.8 yards a carry is not bad. That's about average. So he was average against starters, so Brissett looked a little better. But to be fair, if you watch it, the O-line left gaping holes for Brissett to run in. I mean, there were just gaping holes. Like, I could run for at least four or five yards on some of those holes. You know, I'm not going to run you know, too far. I'm not an NFL athlete. Uh, but Nick Brissett, to me, I've seen enough. I want to see guys like Damien Harris get more touches who had two carries for eight yards after that big week in Tennessee. So I just want to see more like Damian Harris, and I want to see less Nick Brissett. Now, maybe they want to keep Damian Harris kind of hidden away. They don't want to get him hurt. They don't want to show off too much. And they felt, yep, he's proven in training camp. He's been solid, although I haven't really heard a lot about him. And maybe they're sitting here saying, yep, that Tennessee game proved just right. He'll be just fine. He doesn't need these preseason reps. But I feel like any rookie that's picked in the third round should use a little more than two carries, especially in a week where you get to face the starters. You saw Sony Michelle get 10 carries for 36 yards. I thought it was a bit risky to play him just because he's injury prone. And I'm, I just question his durability. I don't know if I'd give him 10 carries. I'd probably give him a few carries. Uh, just to keep him on his toes again a week for the starters here. But I don't know. I wouldn't really play him that much. Luckily, he didn't get hurt. But uh, who, who am I to judge Bill Belichick? But three carries, 21 yards for Brandon Bolden. You already know Bolden's a special team guy that's only going to run the ball in week 17 or when you're up by 30 points to the Dolphins, Jets, Bills, whatever. Other than that, Stidham, three carries for four yards. Burkhead, two for three. Brady had a carry for three yards. And then Devlin had the one-yard touchdown for your only touchdown of the week. And then Jared Stidham, 15 for 19, 134 yards. Not bad at all for Jared Stidham. He showed off a good arm, good accuracy this week. I mean, he didn't get you a touchdown, but... 15 for 19 and 134 yards is a very clean stat sheet. He was very accurate. Um, He didn't really show off anything that wowed me, but the accuracy was there this week uh, for sure with Jared Stidham. I, I, I just don't know. I just... Jared Stidham, I mean, he's a guy who, to me, I mean, last week almost threw three interceptions. He got lucky. 
last week. This week, he showed off much better accuracy, and he shows off a good arm. There's potential there, but he feels like another Ryan Mallett or Jacoby Brissett, a guy who just kind of comes in here, shines under Bill Belichick and against the bench warmers for a few weeks, is really hyped up, and then gets traded and does nothing. Somewhere else. And watch, I'm saying this about Jacoby Brissett. He'll go out there and have some spectacular year. I don't really think so. I think he'll have a few good weeks here and there. Not sure about Brissett, though. Mallet is just horrible. Mallet is the prime example. I'm not sure. I think Sidham will at least do a little better than <laughs> Ryan Mallet, who was great in the preseason, then did nothing. Then you flipped him for like a sixth round pick to Baltimore, I think it was. He's been all over the league. He's, done not- He's been horrible. Oh my God. He's been a crap show. And Jarrett Stidham, though, he shows a little bit of potential. I'm not sure I want to play him anytime soon. I don't want to be in the next Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, Bill Belichick wants to replace him. Tom Brady with Jarrett Stidham this season or anything like that. But Stidham, I like the pick at the time. Kind of like Chase Winovich, I like the pick. And it's proven me right so far. Not sure what Stidham will be in the regular season playoffs when he really faces the starters all the time when he's given that big role. But he's looked good in the preseason, at least. And that's all we can really base things off of for now. So that is my takeaways from the Patriots versus Panthers preseason game. So now we are going to get to my top 10 quarterbacks at, at – not quarterbacks – Fantasy players at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. I'm going to explain all my picks. So, yep, let's get to that. Okay, again, for those of you who had your draft last night and are like, Aiden, are you kidding me? I just had it last night. Now you're coming out with your rankings. I'm sorry. I knew this was going to be a popular week for fantasy drafts, and it just kind of threw me off because I wasn't really thinking about it. And I just figured my drafts on Sunday, and I should have known better, but I just kind of did it on my own terms. Like, my draft Sunday, so I'll do it Saturday night. And then the episode ends up coming out Sunday anyway. So I'm sorry about that. But for those of you who are here for the entertainment, I mean, it's still entertaining to hear these people's rankings. Or for those of you who still have a league you haven't drafted in, like, I know my dad's in a league where his draft's Labor Day. So there is, for those draft, there are some, like, people are telling me, yeah, you're day late. And I am for a majority of people, but there are still some people who are drafting tonight, or maybe you guys are drafting sometime later this week or Labor Day. I mean, I'd like to wait it out, but this seems like a good week before I go back to school. But anyway, we'll start off with tight end or quarterback. Oh, we'll go with quarterback. And coming in at number 10, I put Dak Prescott. Now, between Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray, take your pick here. Yes. And you might be saying, Kyler Murray? Like, we haven't seen the guy play. That's why I didn't put Kyler Murray on here. Kyler Murray would probably be around 11 to 14 for me. I don't really know where. But I put Dak Prescott ahead of Kyler Murray. Who has a higher ceiling for the season between Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott? That's actually debatable. I'd probably go with Kyler Murray just because, yeah, I'd probably go with Kyler Murray, even though Dak Prescott could really light things up with Amari Cooper. And who has the lower floor, though? It's probably Kyler Murray just because we don't really know what we're getting with Dak Prescott. We at least know we're getting a slightly under-average quarterback at worst. Obviously, if Zeke holds out the whole season or he gets traded, I'd like to see how Zeke, uh, Dak Prescott does without an elite running back with the team really having to rely on his arm. So I'd like to see how that goes. But I think Prescott's going to at least have a solid season. I, again, the biggest concern with Dak Prescott, the two biggest concerns. One, 
if he does get a contract, is he going to pull like Chris Sale and just kind of stop playing? Or two, the biggest concern for me, if Zeke holds out and he isn't playing or he gets traded, how is Dak going to do? Because usually he's used to being able to rely on Zeke in the run game, kind of be more of a game manager. Without Zeke, they're going to have go from an elite running game to a poor running game. And Dak's going to have to rely on his arm a lot. I mean, he can't scramble. Like, he's a good scrambler, but he can't just scramble all day. So he's going to have to rely on his arm a lot. I do like the fact, though, that him and Amari Cooper seem to be gaining more and more chemistry. We saw what he did with Amari Cooper out of the gate. Now with the year under their belt, I expect uh, both of them to have a very good year. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Then at number nine, I've got Drew Brees. Um, Brees is a person to me that could easily slide off this top 10 list by the end of the season. Because personally, in my opinion... Drew Brees is getting older. I think he's starting to regress. I think this is a season where we're going to see some regression from Drew Brees. And I do think they're going to try salvaging his arm, which means less passing attempts for Drew Brees. Now, that could be a good thing some weeks when he's really struggling. It means less interceptions. And down the, you know, as the season goes on, if, you know, he's getting 35 pass attempts. So, you know, for the first few weeks, maybe he struggles later in the year. So that might be a good thing. But if the, if, Breeze is only getting 22, 25 pass attempts a game. I'd say 25, 26 passing attempts a game. He's not going to have a lot of opportunities to really, um, I don't know what you want to say, opportunities to really get a lot of points in fantasy, to be honest. Now, yeah, you've got Michael Thomas. I think Jared Cook will be a solid tight end. But outside of... Really, I, Michael Thomas, honestly, he doesn't really have a lot of weapons. Though. He does have Alvin Kamara. He's got a solid O-line. Starter-wise, the backups are horrible there. And he's got a solid defense to help him out. And he has one of the best receivers in the game, Michael Thomas. But I just wonder how Shubri's going to do because I think he's going to regress a little. And I don't think he's going to get as many passing attempts as he has in years before. We saw last season they were even trying to save his arm. And he started to struggle as the season went on. So I am interested to see what Drew Brees can do. And honestly, I think he could fail some people come playoff time because he's going to struggle as the year goes on. I do think kind of like last season, at least he's going to regress a little bit as the season goes on. His arms kind of kind of weaken. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. Then at number eight, I've got Carson Wentz. Wentz could potentially be a top five, top three quarterback in fantasy this season. I put, I almost wanted to put him at number seven, even number six on this list. You'll hear the next two are. But the reason I didn't was injury. Now, Carson Wentz doesn't have a lot of chemistry. Well, he's not a very good leader. Like, there's some, you know, he has a little friction with some of his teammates in that locker room. And last season, Carson Wentz and the Eagles, when Carson Wentz did play, they struggled a little bit. I know they made a playoffs and made it um, almost beat the Saints, for goodness sake, in the divisional round. But that was with Nick Foles. When Carson Wentz was there, they were not very good. But nonetheless, even if the Eagles aren't very good and they repeat what they did last season, Wentz would still be a solid starting quarterback. My big problem with Wentz is I think he will be a little better and put up better stats, a little bit better stats this season. Injury. Injury, injury, injury. This guy is always getting hurt late in the season. So if you pick Carson Wentz to be your starting quarterback, 
history shows he's just going to get hurt and miss playoff time for your team. So you draft him. He's potentially going to miss the last week or two of the regular season and the playoffs because he's like Marcus Mariota. He always gets hurt late in the season. So you, I just don't know if he's reliable in that sense. He's going to put up solid points, okay? Even if the team struggles like they did last year, Wentz will still put up starter-worthy points. The problem with Wentz is can he stay healthy, especially – when you need him most in the playoffs. So if he's set up to if you're gonna pick Carson Wentz as a starter, have a solid backup option because he could be hurt when you need him the most. Then at number seven, I've got Jared Goff. I truly don't think Jared Goff is a is a Pro Bowl type quarterback. I think he's a system quarterback. I just think everything's handed to him whenever Sean McVay wasn't there. I mean, when we start. Here are the examples. Under Jeff Fisher, I know it's Jeff Fisher. as a rookie playing under Jeff Fisher that's horrible, and he had no weapons, but he went 0-7. I mean, that's self-explanatory. He struggled without McVay in those weapons. And then in the Super Bowl, it was really the first game McVay had a bad game plan. Goff struggled. He couldn't do it on his own. He's a system quarterback. He relies on the system. So, But nonetheless, he's going to put up big stats. Now, Some people think the Rams will regress a little bit. All of that... To me, I, I just don't really see it happening. I could see them maybe going eleven and five or ten and six, a little lower than some people expect. Not going what twelve and four, thirteen and three, like they did last season. But I golf nonetheless. Whether you think he's a system quarterback or not, like I do, he's gonna have a top ten fantasy year because he the weapons are there. And even if he is a system quarterback, the system works and it puts up points. So, yeah, you might not think he's truly a great quarterback, but he puts up points in fantasy. That's why I put him at number seven. Then at number six, I've got Baker Mayfield. I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan. I think the Browns could disappoint some people this season, but Mayfield had a great year last year. He really did. And I know this is a guy who did have a losing record with that Browns team, but still, I mean, that was with that Browns team. He's going to have Odell Beckham this year. I mean, nonetheless, I think they should be at least better than they were last season. If the, Even if they do disappoint, they should be better than they were last season. So it will be interesting to see what happens with this Browns team. But I just, I kind of just sit there and I just love Baker Mayfield because of the stats he put up last season in that horrible situation. Now he's in a better situation. Now I wonder how all those egos are going to mesh, but he's got a solid defense for support. He's got a great run game uh, with them. He's got some great weapons as well. And the Joku's got another year under his belt. He should at least be an average tight end this year. And Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league. Personally, I think people are overrating Jarvis Landry a lot. I'm not as the biggest fan of his. OBJ, I'm not the biggest fan either. I, he's still an elite wide receiver, though. But I think he had a bit of a down year last season, given that was with Eli Manning. But Baker Mayfield, I think he's going to put up some points. He could potentially move up to, you know, four on my list. He could potentially move back to eight or nine if all of a sudden, uh, you know, he kind of has a sophomore slump and maybe he the pressure gets to him a little or he starts getting, you know, angry with the guy like OBJ. Two big egos mesh don't usually mesh together. So we'll see what happens with Mayfield. But I think by the end of the year, he'll be right around six. Personally, you know, maybe I overrate this guy a little but I, I do like Baker Mayfield. I put him at six. If you say, but if you say Carson Wentz is better than Baker Mayfield or Jared Goss better than Baker Mayfield, 
not better, but like fantasy wise, I wouldn't have a big issue with that. Like if you bump Mayfield down to eight, but I can't see you putting him any lower than eight or maybe even nine. Then at number five, I've got Russell Wilson. I'm not, I don't know about drafting. Sorry for that. But I don't know about drafting Wilson personally just because I just don't see the weapons there at all. Like Tyler Lockett is his best receiver. Don't get me wrong, Tyler Lockett is underrated, but he's not a great receiver. And outside of Lockett, can you name another wide receiver on that depth chart? I can. Guys like DK Metcalf. But being honest, like they're just not that good talent-wise around Russell Wilson. Wilson's going to have to do it all himself. Now, Wilson is able to do that. Wilson is an incredible talent. He takes a bad offense and makes them look good. But I just don't... I don't know. I just don't see Wilson going off. You know what I mean? Just because I just... You know, one person can only take an offense so far. And the running games there is good. Just that crew of running backs is good altogether. They don't have one star running back, but just the group itself plus Pete Carroll's game plan makes that running staff look very good and one of the best in the league as a unit. But you look at the the pass protection and the weapons around Russell Wilson, that's why I just don't see him going off. I see Wilson have a very good season, but one man can only take a team so far. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm kind of sitting here. Like, how many fantasy points can you really put up with those types of weapons slash protection, whatever you want to say? I'm a fan of Wilson's, but I'm not at the same time. Not that I don't like Russell Wilson's talent, but the weapons around him just make me wonder if I could put him any higher than number five. Then at number four, I've got Matt Ryan. I even argued putting Matt Ryan even just at three. Possibly two. I I just couldn't, though. I put him at number four instead. I could argue three, though. Matt Ryan, I just love Matt Ryan. Oh, my God. Like, I don't lo- like love him like, oh, like I do Tom Brady or <sighs> Andrew Luck. But I do like Matt Ryan. I think he's one of the, if not the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to put up big-time stats. He has a great receiving core around him, and he's always going to deliver. I mean, last season they lost a ton of games just because the defense was so injury-riddled. And he'd, they'd score 35 points. Matt Ryan would toss four touchdowns. Because they had no run game, really, either. Tevin Coleman was average at best. So, you know, they scored 35 points. Matt Ryan would have four touchdowns for 300 yards. And the defense would allow 42 points. So it was just like, oh, you can't blame it on the record. You can't blame it on Matt Ryan. The pass protection, especially in the interior, has to be better. Because when Matt Ryan's pressure from the interior seems to struggle, so hopefully those guys like Chris Lindstrom that they drafted with the 14th overall pick step up. But Matt Ryan, I mean, he he's a guy that's going to put up big yards. He's going to get touchdowns. Doesn't throw too many interceptions, too. I love Matt Ryan. I just think he's a nice, steady, very good quarterback. And I, I he's a value pick as well because he's not that – you don't see him at number four in a lot of people's draft boards. A lot of people's draft boards consist of Mahomes, Rogers, Mahomes at one, and then Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson at two and three. And Matt Ryan, like on some people, like on ESPN Fantasy, he is three on ESPN Fantasy Football, but not many people have Matt Ryan, even in their top five. People don't really seem to like Matt Ryan. They just kind of don't really look into really how good he truly is after his MVP campaign a few seasons ago. But I love Matt Ryan. I think he's a great value pick, and I'm definitely eyeing him in fantasy if I miss out on a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. 
I might even take him over Deshaun Watson just because Watson's banged up a lot. But at number three, I do have Deshaun Watson. I Between Watson and Ryan, take your pick. Because here's the thing, Watson is injury prone. And I feel like Watson could be a bit more of a wild card for that reason. One of these injuries one day, that could be the end. So especially if you're in a dynasty slash keeper league, whatever you call it, who do you take your pick? Honestly, you know, the easy, you're probably saying, well, in a keeper league, wouldn't you take Watson? I mean, Ryan's, you know, Ryan, Matt Ryan's at least 27, 28 years old. I think he might be in his 30s, honestly. I, I can't keep track. I think he's 30, 34, not even close, Aiden. But Matt Ryan's 34. Watson is, what, going into his third season in the NFL? Watson should be the easy pick, right? And I'd say I'd go with Watson in a keeper league. But Watson's also very injury prone. At least, you know, for the next two three seasons, Matt Ryan's going to be a a solid top 10 fantasy quarterback, at least for the next two seasons. With Deshaun Watson, he could go down tomorrow. We, I mean, that could go for any quarterback, but especially Watson. He's injury prone, mostly due to that offensive line. I'd go with Watson, especially if I'm in a keeper league, but I mean, it's actually debatable just because of the injuries. But nonetheless, Watson's going to put up a big year if he can stay healthy and get some Somewhat okay protection. He's not banged up too, too bad. Then number two, we've got Aaron Rodgers. Listen, I'm not, you know, whether you like Aaron Rodgers' personality or not, whether you believe in this Packers team or not, Rodgers should put up a solid year. Now, I do think Rodgers is starting to regress a little bit, but he's still a super talented quarterback. I do hope he can put up bigger stats than he did last season. I mean, you know he's not going to throw many interceptions, only two last season. I mean, at max, he'll probably throw six this year. Like, he's not going to throw many interceptions, but I want to see him throw more touchdowns, more yards. Hopefully receivers outside of Devontae Adams can step up because if you force-feed one wide receiver, defenses catch on, and then all of a sudden you have to throw to receivers you don't exactly trust. So that's not a good thing. Rodgers, to me, I don't really – I think he could potentially slide out of the top five if he has a really, really poor year, but Rodgers is – Got to be one of the best fantasy football quarterbacks this season. If he has a poor season, he'll probably slide down to seven at worst. Really, I just don't see Rodgers. Again, he's a bit injury-prone lately as well these past few seasons. But you got David Bacchiardi, arguably the best left tackle, supporting his blind side. So hopefully that should help. Then at number one, the easy pick is Patrick Mahomes. Listen, I don't think – I think Mahomes will put up less points than he did last season – if you you can't repeat 5050 uh not 5000 50 and 5000 when you throw 50 touchdowns and 5000 yards passing yards and you put up worse stats next season doesn't mean they're bad like he could put up 44 touchdowns for four uh he could put 45 and 45000 up kind of you know what i'm saying like instead of 50000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns he could put up 45 44 and 45000 Something like that. He could still put up monster stats. Now, I think Patrick Mahomes will regress a little bit. But again, he'll still put up a monster year. Not like he did last year, but it will still be a very good year. The guy's just got a boatload of talent. Maybe he does throw for under 40 touchdowns. Uh, I don't think he'll throw for under 4,000 yards. But maybe he throws for 38 and 41,000. So something like that. But even if he does that, he'll still be one of the best uh, fantasy quarterbacks. So I just think... At worst, Patrick Mahomes finishes second or third. I mean, the the ceiling's very high. The floor's very high for Patrick Mahomes. There's no going wrong with that pick unless you pick him in the first round. Don't do that. 
just don't. Unless unless it's like a quarterback happy league, then I, I don't know. I just not in one of those, so I can't relate. Then we're gonna move over to running back at number 10. I've got Nick Chubb. Some people may not like this pick because it seems like the Browns have a very good passing attack and will throw the ball a lot. And for the fact that when Kareem Hunt gets back, he could get a lot of touches. And it is a risky pick for that reason. And the Browns held out on really playing Nick Chubb for a lot of last season. But when I saw Chubb play, he was very good. I love Nick Chubb since he came out of college. Now, I am hoping he gets the right amount of touches all season long. This is a little bit of a risky pick just because... He's a little injury, not really, but he is a little injury prone. And when the big part is when Kareem Hunt gets back, that could mean limited touches for Nick Chubb. But I think I'm willing to take the risk if it's in the right round. I'm not going to pick him too, too early just because there's a possibility he could be a backup running back for half the season. But nonetheless, I really want to draft Nick Chubb. Kind of, for those Nick Chubb owners, you better wish Kareem Hunt did not sign with the Browns because right now it seems like the biggest risk. Hunt comes back and moves Chubb to uh, running back number two on the Browns' depth chart. And then at number nine, I've got Joe Mixon. I've never been a huge Joe Mixon fan. I don't know why. Just I, I just think it's just because he's on the Bengals. But Mixon had a ton of talent coming out of college, but he slid to the second round due to some uh, – off the field issues. He hasn't really had any in the NFL, surprisingly. Like, I feel like no one talks about Joe Mixon anymore. Like, he's a big topic coming into the draft when he was a you know a few years ago. And then he slid to the second round because he, you know, he's got some mental issues. But he's been great in the NFL so far. Knock on wood. But I mean, this guy can catch it out of the backfield. He can run for a good amount of yards. I mean, he led the AFC in uh, rushing yards last season. He can do a little bit out of the backfield as well. There's a lot of talent with Joe Mixon. He just doesn't get to show a lot of it off in Cincinnati. And the Bengals also are banged up. Like, Tyler Boyd should have a solid season. I think he's a sleeper this year. Uh, But Andy Dalton, I mean, he's not going to really get any better. They're going to be without A.J. Green for some weeks. I think they could run the ball a lot more than you think. And that means a lot of touches for Joe Mixon. So Mixon, I mean, he could slide in there as a good pick because he's not being talked about a lot. People just slap him on the top, bottom of the top 10 of the draft boards. I'd even put him at eight, arguably, or even seven. Real big argument. But number eight, I do have James Conner. Now, some people think Conner will have a bit of a down season compared to what he did last season. I wouldn't be surprised if Conner puts up uh, a little bit of worse stats than he did last year. But nonetheless, I think Connor should still be a top 10 running back, or at least number 11. Like, Connor could finish in the sliding in the top six or five, or he could finish the year at like 11. But I think he'll be right around that range as like a solid number two running back on a fantasy team, or even number one. Number one, if you really don't, if you really go for running backs, he could be solid number two for your team. But if you kind of draft a receiver or a tight end in one of those first two rounds, he'll probably have to be your uh, number one. I don't know, maybe I, number one or number two. He'd be a middle to lower end uh, running back, no, one, number one running back, a higher end number two running back. But I think James Conner, you look at that O line. Probably it's getting older, so it's probably going to regress a little bit, but that O line is still great. I think they're going to run the ball a, uh, 
not a lot, but a little more this season without Antonio Brown as well. The passing attacks, he, and Ben Roethlisberger, they're going to try to probably salvage his arm a little bit as well as he gets older. So I think they're going to run the ball a little more than they did last season as well. Then at number seven, I've got Ezekiel Elliott. Now, if this was a week ago, Elliott would not be on here. Now, the thing with Zeke, it's not the talent. Talent-wise, Zeke, I wouldn't say he's the best running back, but he's got an argument for the best running back in the league and best fantasy player available. Personally, he'd probably be like number two on my board, but still, he's number seven because he the potential contract holdout. Now, we have heard news that the Cowboys do want to give him a contract, but still, I don't know. Even seven's a bit too high. Personally, for me, I don't like to take big risks early in the draft. I'm all for risks once you get to the eighth round, ninth round. I'm all for risks. But when you're in the first round, second round, third round, even fourth, fifth round, no, no, forget it. I don't like risks because you can still get good players in that uh, area of the draft, and I don't want to draft a player who could potentially not play. But Elliot did go up my draft board when I heard they offered him a contract, and they seemed to get a little closer to a deal. So that did slide him into my top 10. But still, I'm not sure he's the seventh uh, running back taken, in my opinion. You know, I might take a guy like James Conner. If all of a sudden it's the third or fourth round, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I can either take Zeke or James Conner. I might take James Conner. I just don't know I want to play this thing by air. If Zeke's available in the fifth round, I might try to steal him. I, I just don't know yet. I'm going to play that one by air. Zeke is all a gut feeling. Don't pick him early in draft. Earliest, probably fifth round. Because, remember, he still hasn't agreed to a contract. So, And I think he's all for holding out. So... Stick with your gut on that one, but don't pick them any earlier than the fourth or fifth round. Then at number six, I've got Todd Gurley. Now, I know Gurley's got a knee issue. I know he didn't even really play in the playoffs, and when he did, he was disappointing. But I think Gurley should still have a solid year. I would not pick Gurley in the first round if I were you. I'd probably pick him later in the second round. Gurley could be a steal. Gurley could disappoint. I don't see Gurley being as disappointing as he was in the playoffs. But Gurley could put up similar numbers to what he did last season. I don't think he'll put up the same numbers he did last season, but he could still have a top five fantasy season. Top four, even, arguably. That's what, yeah, Todd Gurley could seriously have a top five fantasy season. He could steal him in the second round. But that knee injury plus the knee arthritis shouldn't really affect him this season, especially earlier in the season. It could affect him more down the line. But between that and I think the way, what happened in the playoffs, people are trying to stay away from Gurley in the first round. And I would too because I still think there's a risk there. But if he's available late, late, mid to late second round and there's no one you really love there, like you've been looking at since the first – since you after you're picking the first round and hope he fell to you, feel free to take a risk on Todd Gurley. Then at number five, we've got David Johnson. Uh, Johnson's a guy who scares me for the injury factor because there's a chance he gets injured. Like my brother picked him with the first pick a few years ago, and he went down in week one. There's an injury factor with David Johnson, but if he stays healthy, I mean, I doubt he'll do what he did, you know, back in 2015, 2016. I think that was the year that went off and was like the best player in fantasy. I doubt he'll do that. But he's still going to put up solid. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be one of the better fantasy players. So I had to put him at number five just for that reason. I mean, this guy, he scores touchdowns. He gets yards uh, from running the ball and out of the backfield. He's just a great talent when he can stay healthy. But the injury factor is a bit of a risk. Then at number four, we've got Le'Veon Bell. It's a risk. 
It is because Bell is a guy who the last time he missed a lot of time, this is a guy who held out, hasn't played in almost two years. He hasn't played in what, like 18 months. The last time he didn't play for a stretch of time, he struggled when he came back. So he's missed over a year now. So it will be interesting to see how he returns. I do think there is somewhat of a risk for Bell, but I'd pick him later in the first round if I do get the chance. I'm not going to pick him in the top five, probably not even the top six. But if I get a later round pick and Bell's there and there's no one I really love, I might take Bell. I don't really love Bell, but I do think he should have at least a solid season. I mean, at worst, he slides to seven. Seven or eight, I'd say. That's the worst Bell's going to slide to. Seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there. That's the latest Bell will slide to points-wise for fantasy running backs this season. He's obviously not going to be holding out anytime soon, so you don't have to worry about that. Just hope he stays healthy. Hope he's 95% of uh, what he was when we are considering the best running back in the league. 90-95%. Then, number three, I've got Alvin Kamara. Between Kamara and McCaffrey, you can take your pick. Seriously, you can take your pick. If you say Kamara over McCaffrey, I have no problem with that. I don't really want the second pick because I... Don't want to make that decision be between Kamara and McCaffrey. I think I'd go with McCaffrey, but I'm still not even sure. I really don't want the second pick just for that reason. Uh, Saquon is my number one, so I'll just kill three birds with one stone here. Kamara, McCaffrey, and Barkley can, are do-it-all backs. Uh, McCaffrey still has a little bit of questions. Can he be a three-down back? I think he will be able to, even Kamara, just because you know he's always had Mark Ingram there to kind of take some of the snaps. But he showed Mark Ingram missed the first four weeks last season, and uh, Kamara showed he could handle it. So McCaffrey has a little bit to prove in that area, but McCaffrey's going to be a beast this season. Barkley's going to be a beast. Kamara, there's no going wrong with either McCaffrey or Kamara. I just hope I make the right decision. Like one doesn't have the best fantasy season. Like if I pick McCaffrey. Let's say I pick McCaffrey. Kamara goes on to have the best season in fantasy. McCaffrey's like fourth or fifth. Or I pick McCaffrey and he gets hurt and Kamara doesn't. Something like that. I just hope that doesn't happen. As long as they have similar seasons, I'll be happy. Like if Kamara's 10 more points than McCaffrey, I won't be too mad. Then I've got Barkley at number one. That's easy to me. Now people question, will he be able to handle getting fed the ball at almost every down. They're going to run the ball to him a ton. They're going to pass the ball to him a ton because he's basically, they're running, they're, he's the, he is their offense. Let's just say that. They're going to run the ball a lot, and then the pass game, Barkley could go for 100 receptions this season. So those touches could hurt his durability and his ability to play at a high le- uh, that high of a level towards the end of the season, but I don't really think it's too big of a concern. I think Saquon Barkley is going to have a beast year. I think he's the best player in fantasy. If I get the number one pick, I am taking Saquon Barkley, especially if it's PPR. No doubt if it's PPR. If it's standard, a guy like Kamara may have a bit more of a case, but still, no doubt, if it's standard – Half PPR, full PPR, I'm taking Barkley with the number one overall pick, no matter what it is. Again, if it's standard, Kamara is a bit more of a case, a guy like Kamara. But no doubt, Barkley, best player in fantasy to take, in my opinion. Move over to the White starting now. Okay, so I just want to throw out a few honorable mentions here. Adam Thielen and Amari Cooper. No one has Adam Thielen really in the top ten. Basically, no one has Adam Thielen. Most people have Thielen around 
12, 13, 14. I want to throw Thielen in this top 10 so bad, but I couldn't. At number 10, I have Keenan Allen. But I could potentially take Adam Thielen over Keenan Allen. Not sure about Amari Cooper, arguably, because I think Cooper could have a, a big year again. But I had to put Keenan Allen on here. I just, I, I wanted to put Adam Thielen on this top 10 so bad, but I couldn't. But just let me throw out there, I love Thielen, and he is a high honorable mention. If you get the chance to take Thielen, definitely pounce on it. But Keenan Allen, again, the hip injury is a bit scary, but it doesn't sound like anything too, too big. Keenan Allen's an underrated wide receiver. The receiving core is a bit thinner this year. I know they did add Hunter Henry for a tight end. He'll be back from injury. But the receiving core is a bit thinner. They lost a few guys at receiver. So it should be a little more targets for Keenan Allen. I think he's a deep ball threat. I think he's going to have another big year like he did last year, uh, and I think he was underrated last year. He should be underrated this season. He's going to be right around a number 10 wide receiver. So when you see guys like Mike Evans, Antonio Brown go, guys like that caliber, and you want Keenan Allen, get ready to pick him with your next pick because he's going to go right after that they will, I'd say. Then at number 9, I've got Mike Evans. Some people will have Mike Evans at 7, even 6. I'm not a huge fan of Mike Evans. I don't know why. I just never – people, like, like him. I just, like – I never really looked into Mike Evans. I just never did. And I know he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver, and he has a ton of talent. I mean, on another team, he'd probably be even better. But hopefully Jameis Winston puts up better stats this season. And I just never looked into Evans. I'm never interested in picking Mike Evans. I don't know why. I know he's a good wide receiver. I'm just – there's just something there that I just try to stay away from him for some reason. I can't really give you too much insight on Mike Evans. Not that I don't know him, but I just never pick him, never have interest in him. But I'll, if all of a sudden, you know, he slides, you know, later in the draft, I'll take him. But I highly doubt Mike Evans will be on my fantasy team this year. Then at number eight, I've got Antonio Brown. Brown was looked at as arguably the best fantasy wide receiver last season. One of them. I picked him in the first round, I think, in one of my leagues. And he had a very good year. Not a He had a solid year. He disappointed a little some weeks, but he still had a nonetheless solid year. But Derek Carr is a drop-off from Ben Roethlisberger, especially considering Derek Carr is scared at this point in his career and is really just a check-down quarterback. He basically just checks the ball down. Antonio Brown is a deep ball receiver. Derek Carr never throws the ball downfield anymore. People say these new receivers will help Derek Carr, and eh, not really. I mean, it should help him a little, but no. La- look what he did with the Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had, what, one touchdown last season in the first, like, five, six weeks? Then he went to Dallas and went off. Amari Cooper went off in Dallas and Oakland. He was just looked at as an average receiver. It's Derek Carr. It's in his head. Derek Carr is scared. He's scared of injury. He's scared of failure. So he just checks the ball down and goes with the safe throw. It doesn't matter who's at receiver. Antonio Brown's not going to make Derek Carr any better. Derek Carr's going to make Derek Carr better. So Antonio Brown, you know, people saying Antonio Brown's going to make Derek Carr better, maybe a little, but no. You know, it's a Derek Carr is going to make Derek Carr better. Not Antonio Brown. It's all in Derek Carr's head. And until Derek Carr fixes that, I can't put AB any higher really than eight. Because Ben Roethlisberger wasn't afraid to throw downfield. And he had a lot of chemistry with AB. 
AB hasn't really been there to have gain chemistry with Derek Carr, and Derek Carr just never really throws the ball downfield. So I really don't know how AB is going to perform this year. I try to stay away from him in those first few rounds of the draft. But nonetheless, I think people are starting to overhate on him a little, and that's why he's sliding down some draft boards. Then at number seven, I've got OBJ. I think OBJ is going to disappoint a little this season. I do. I think last season he was a little disappointing. Uh, he only put up a few touchdowns last season. His first touchdown came almost midway through the season. It, was, it wasn't like week five against the 49ers or something. Monday Night Football, he finally got his first touchdown. Now he gained solid yards. I know like Julio Jones didn't have a touchdown until midway through the season. He still put up beast numbers. But OBJ is just someone who I, I, don't, I, I don't think – I think he's starting to get a little overrated, especially now on the Browns. Listen, I think him and Baker Mayfield could butt heads a little. Not even that. There's just so many weapons there. We saw that in New York. I mean, he still was great last season. Don't get me wrong. He's still a Pro Bowl talent. But he struggled last year a little bit in New York. I thought he was a little disappointing, and no one really talked about him. Not super disappointing, just a little bit. But that was with no real other receivers. Now he's got Jarvis Landry, David Njoko, Njoku, whatever you want to say. And they've got, they've got to feed Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt when he gets back, so they've got a lot of weapons there, and they're going to need to feed all of them, really, at least a few targets and a few touches each game, so I think OBJ might disappoint a little this season, but nonetheless will be a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Then at number 6, I've got Tyreek Hill. Uh, ooh, Who likes Tyreek Hill? No one. No one likes Tyreek Hill. There is a bit of a risk, especially if you're in a keeper league and he goes off and you keep him because he could really just be suspended at any moment because who knows what he's done that hasn't been released yet. He's probably under investigation for something somewhere. There's a risk there, but as long as he doesn't get suspended, Hill is a beast. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say it. I'd love to give his talent to someone else more deserving of it, but Tyree Hill is a beast in fantasy. I mean, this guy... Talent-wise, you know, talent-wise for a wide receiver, he's probably not even top 10. I mean, he's a top 10 wide receiver in the league, arguably, but it's really just his speed, really. I mean, they do, you know, and I know they chuck the ball downfield and he can catch it, but if you have speed, you can succeed. Tyree Kill just has a ton of six speed, uh, ton of speed, and he's got solid hands, really. He's arguably the fastest player in the NFL it's not his hands. His hands are really average. It's just the speed combined with the average hands makes him such a good wide receiver. But nonetheless, Patrick Holmes loves shucking the ball downfield to him. So you add that speed with one of the best talented quarterbacks in the league, it just makes him so deadly, and he's going to rack up points, whether it's yards or, a, you know, he'll catch some 40-yard touchdown or some 40-yard uh you know, handoff play or something every single week. So he's going to rack up big yards, at least a touchdown each week. Even if he doesn't score a touchdown, he'll probably go for like 90, 100 yards. His worst week's going to be about six points one time. Like, that's it. He's going to go off almost every single week. Then at number five, we've got Juju Smith-Schuster. Some people question his ability to be the number one wide receiver, and I don't. Don't at all. Last season, A.B., he got way more targets than Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown only gets about three, four catches a game. It felt like. I think it's a little more than that. But Juju Smith-Schuster, there were a ton of games where he was getting nine, ten catches. Juju Smith-Schuster can handle the number one wide receiver. He can. Not can't. He can handle the number one wide receiver responsibilities. No doubt in my mind. You can call me out for this if he, if I'm um, proven wrong. 
If Juju Smith-Schuster goes out this year and drops an egg, my bad. But trust me on this one, Juju Smith-Schuster can handle those uh, responsibilities just fine. Let's just hope Ben Roethlisberger can at least be a, a slightly over-average quarterback and he doesn't regress too, too much. Uh, that's the only thing. I think Juju Smith-Schuster will no doubt handle that job just fine. Then at number four, we've got Julio Jones. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Julio Jones. I never pick him in fantasy because he's inconsistent. He's inconsistent on the field and with injuries. This guy always seems to miss a few games each year with some toe turf or turf toe or whatever you call it or some foot injury. There's always something bothering him that keeps him out for a few games of the year. And then there are the games. Some games Julio Jones puts up 30 points, 25 points. Other weeks he puts up two. He's just wildly inconsistent. There are weeks where he goes for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Other weeks where he gets one catch for 12 yards. That's how it just it's it's unfortunate that he's inconsistent like that. Now most weeks he'll put up at least you know 14, 15 points. Julio Jones is going to be at least a top six fantasy wide receiver, top six seven at very least. So you know you know you know at the end of the day. At the end of the year, you could say he's going to be one of the highest in points, but he's just so wildly inconsistent with injuries and his play on the field that I just try to stay away from him because I went in the first and second round. I want to know I'm getting a consistent player that's not very injury prone. And Julio Jones does not check either of those boxes. The talent's there, and when he has a good week, he has a great week. So. There's that, but at the same time, he always consistently misses a few games each year, and he just he's just inconsistent on the field. Then at number three, I've got Michael Thomas. He's really on, the only – hopefully he doesn't pull Chris Sale, but as long as he doesn't, he's really the only receiver it feels like in that New Orleans receiving core that anyone can name. There's just no one else there. He's going to get all the targets. He's a big receiver, big-time player. He's going to get the touchdowns. He's going to get the catches. He's going to get the yards, all of that. Michael Thomas should have a good year. Uh, I could see him potentially be a little disappointing. I don't know why. Maybe Drew Brees, you know, just struggles and he that that hurts his him. But nonetheless, Michael Thomas should be one of the better receivers in fantasy this season. Then at number two, I, I will say this, though. In the first round, I'd rather pick Julio Jones than Michael Thomas. Julio Jones is a higher ceiling. If I'm in the first round and you tell me you have to pick Michael Thomas or Julio Jones, I'll take Julio. I might even take Julio over Michael Thomas now that I think about it. It's close. But if it's in the first round, I'll take Julio over Michael Thomas. Just because Michael Thomas, I feel like, won't give you those big-time numbers every week. Like, not every week. But you get what I'm saying. Michael Thomas will be more consistent with injuries and points. But at the end of the day, I think Julio Jones will give you those more uh, first-round pick numbers that you want. So that's why I take Julio in the first round, but I'll take Michael Thomas in the second or third round instead of Julio. I, I get if you get what I'm saying. Then at number two, we've got Devontae Adams. Wide receiver, if you're ranking wide receivers, Devontae Adams probably isn't even in the top five. But for fantasy, he's going to bring the numbers. There's really no other receiving core. He's got a, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, fantasy-wise, and in the league, in Aaron Rodgers. So he's got one of the best quarterbacks, and he's really the only receiver that Aaron Rodgers trusts, really, and the only receiver anyone can name, kind of like Michael Thomas on that Green Bay Packers depth chart. He's really the only one that people can name, obviously. Yeah, you can name others, but... 
I just think he's going to get a lot of targets this season coming from one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think Adams is going to have a very good season. I think you got to put him at minimum number three or four. I mean, this guy is going to put up big time numbers. I don't know about picking him in the first round, like some people say. We'll see. I'll play it by air. But the really only, my number one wide receiver, the one that I really and only really feel comfortable picking in the first round is DeAndre Hopkins. There is a very high possibility I have Hopkins on my roster in fantasy later today. I might tell you, I think I'll tell you guys the results on my next podcast. But I'm willing to take Hopkins with the fifth pick in the draft. I am. I'm no doubt willing to take... I hope I don't get the fourth pick because the fourth pick is kind of where I'm like, I feel like this is a little too early early for Hopkins, but I feel like this is... like Because by that time, this is assuming McCaffrey, Barkley, and Kamara are off the board. If one of them are still on the board at the fourth pick, then that's easy. I'll take one of them. I'll take whoever's available. But let's say all of them are gone. I feel like that's too early for Hopkins. Too early. Like, I don't feel like there's a set fourth guy. Like, I I feel comfortable picking Hopkins, but I feel like that's too early at the same time. But if I have, like, the fifth or sixth pick, taking Hopkins. I hope my brother's not, like, out here listening to all my advice. But that that's who I'm aiming for. If I have that pick, I'm willing to take Hopkins. I just feel comfortable picking him. If Watson goes down with an injury, he's going to ball out no matter who is be under center. He's balling out with Tom Savage, for God's sakes. Like, he'll be with a third-string quarterback, and he'll still put up big-time numbers. Knock on wood, only like the third or fourth time I've done that, right? This episode, he won't get hurt, but as long as he doesn't, even if Watson gets hurt, I hope he doesn't. He'll probably put up better numbers with Watson, but even if Watson gets hurt, he'll still put up some of the biggest numbers for a wide receiver with a backup quarterback. That's how good DeAndre Hopkins is. So now we are going to move over to our final category with the tight ends. Okay, so kicking things off at number 10 for the tight ends, I've got David Njoku. Njoku, someone to me who has potential to climb up this is a little bit as the years go on. I've always liked Njoku, never loved him. I wouldn't rely on him to be your number one tight end. My problem with him is, again, the same problem I have with OBJ. There are so many weapons in that offense. How many targets is this guy going to get? You know, With all the running backs they have to feed, with all the other wide receivers, OBJ... Jarvis Landry, I don't want to overrate the weapons they have there, but they have a lot. And that's a lot for the second-year quarterback, Baker Mayfield, to handle. And I don't think Njoku's a top option for Mayfield or even that passing game. He's probably like their third or fourth best option in the passing game. Then you add Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the run game. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think he'll at least be a high-end backup. Especially, you know, I don't want to say if you're in a keeper league because you're not going to keep David Njoku, you know, if you have two, three spots. Even if you have a five-spot keeper league, you're not keeping David Njoku unless he has some spectacular year that no one's expecting. But he could be a high-end backup for your team, you know, if if you want to pick him that way. I mean, I wouldn't really want him to be my starter unless I've got, like, some spectacular team uh, outside of tight end or I have some really good, reliable backup behind Njoku. But, you know, he's a low-end starter, high-end backup for me. Then at number nine, I've got Hunter Henry. A lot of people are going to get mad with this pick. I know a lot of people have Hunter Henry at like four or five on their board. No one has him in the top three. Some people have four, five, six. 
That's where people have Hunter Henry. I have him at nine. I'm not a believer in Hunter Henry. Uh, in his rookie season, he put up big-time numbers, missed a few games. Then the next season, he put up – he missed, I think, two – I think he missed one game in his rookie season, and I think he missed two or three in his second season. And in that second season, he put up worse stats. Obviously, yeah, you're probably saying, yeah, he played two or three less games. But per game, his stats were worse. Like, he got a little worse that season. Then he missed all of last season. So, for me, Hunter Henry someone I'm – Staying away from people are going to overrate him. That's fine. If I see Hunter Henry go and he's one of the top five tight ends to go, I'm fine with that. And if he has a good season, well, he has a good season. I have other guys, other value tight ends I'm looking for, and I think Hunter Henry's being overrated. Yes, we've seen him put up big numbers before, but he got worse the next season. He's too injury prone for my liking. I think he's being overrated, and people are going to regret that decision of picking Hunter Henry so high. Maybe he does go on to have a good year, but. If he does, he does. There are other guys out there, other fish in the sea. I'll pass on Hunter Henry. Unless it's like the 12th round, or, you know, you know, something like that. Then at number eight, I've got Jared Cook. Cook uh, played for the Raiders a few years, and now he's on the Saints. I think Cook could potentially climb up this just a little bit, this list a little bit, you know, maybe to seven or six. I don't really see him going too, too much higher, but just because I feel like that offense does not have many weapons, and Cook is still a reliable tight end in the NFL. He could get a little more targets than he should be getting. So I kind of look at Jared Cook as someone who I'm not trying to stay away from, but I'm not really targeting either. Like, if he falls in my lap, I'll take him. But I, he's going to be an average starter, I'd say. I, I just don't think he's going to put big-time numbers. I think he's just going to be an average average tight end that's going to put up average numbers. You know, probably a few weeks where he – drops an egg, maybe one 15-point week there. But he's no one that I really jumps off the page to me. Uh, some people love Jared Cook going into the year, having like a fifth or sixth on the draft boards. They're like, all right, all right, let's slow down. I know he's in the Saints system, but I, I don't love Jared Cook as much as some other people do. But he still should be solid. Then at number seven, I've got Eric Ebron. Some people don't even have Ebron in their top ten. They think he's really going to fall off. Ebron is a bit of a wild card because – we saw what he could do last season, but people doubt he's going to repeat that. Especially without Andrew Luck now. Okay, I might have to bump e Eric Ebron down. I won't lie. I made these predictions. Yeah, I made this list yesterday. And I had Andrew Luck at like number six or five. I know you're probably saying, hey, yesterday he should have been higher. I'll, I don't want to explain. I, I don't know if it was six or five. It was like somewhere around there. And I had to take him off the list, throw Dak Prescott on. I shouldn't move Eric Ebron down now that Andrew Luck is no longer on the team. But I'll – you get the point. Ebron at seven, you guys probably weren't happy with, even if he's with Luck. But Ebron showed he can be a red zone target. Ebron's a guy who can only get one or two – may only get one or two catches and still have an eight-point game at least. He's a guy that can get three catches and put up 14 points. He gets all his catches in the red zone. So a guy like that, you're saying, yeah, well, he only gets two and a half catches a game. Half of those are tight, you know, touchdowns. This guy put up, what, 13, 14 touchdowns last season. Last year, he averaged basically a touchdown a game, a touchdown six points. So if you're in a PPR league, that adds a half point or even one point, which makes seven. And then, you know, it's at least going to be a yard or two, right? <laughs> so Eric Ebron, someone who I like. Uh, personally, I think he could be a, if he really falls, like, I hope people underestimate this guy because I'm willing to take the risk on Eric Ebron. 
and you know, probably sit him on the bench for the past uh, for the first few weeks. See how. Oh, excuse me. I keep burping. See how he does. Sit him on the first uh, first few weeks. If he starts to put up big numbers, I'll play him. If he doesn't, well, I'll cut him or trade him or just keep him as a backup, something like that. I'd pick him with the idea that he's going to be a backup with starter potential, like a Kyler Murray, somebody like that. Kyler Murray at the starter quarterback position. Like a lot of people are picking him as the backup that could potentially turn into the starter. Then at number six, I've got Vance McDonald. I think some people are hating on Vance McDonald. I'm not hating. Some people are underestimating Vance McDonald. I know he's not the best tight end. Tight end skill-wise, he shouldn't be number six. But I think that that Steelers offense, they lose AB, they lose Jesse James. Vance McDonald's going to play a little bigger of a role than some people would think. And I think he could be a solid value pick in fantasy this year. I really do. And I think you should... Keep your eye on him. Don't reach for Vance McDonald. But if he falls to you, he can be one of the better tight ends in fantasy football this season. I don't think he'll put up big numbers every single week. Maybe he's more of a Jared Cook that just puts up eight or nine points a week. But there aren't a lot of options out there for tight end outside the big three. Then at number five, we've got O.J. Howard. I think that Bucks offense is going to be better this season. I know I said I don't know a lot about Mike Evans. I know a little more about OJ Howard. It's not that I don't know a lot about Mike Evans, but I just can't relate on picking him. OJ Howard, not sure I'll end up picking him, but OJ Howard is someone I'll look to pick. I could see him sliding down to number eight or nine on this list. I still think he has something to prove. I think that Bucks offense is a bit of a wild card. But O.J. Howard could have a solid year. I don't see him, you know, sliding into the big three with, of George Kittle, Zach Ertz, or Travis Kelsey. But he could go potentially up to four, potentially down to eight or nine. He's a bit of a risk, but one that could be worth taking if it's in the right spot. Probably around sixth, uh, seventh round, I'd say. O.J. Howard, seventh round. Maybe sixth round just because... The big three is going to be picked by the third round that's going to be gone. And then at number four, I have Evan Ingram. So if George Kittle, Zach Ertz, and Travis Kelsey are off the board by the third round, that means O.J. Howard's one of the next best tight ends for the next few rounds, if you know what I'm saying. So, we, you know, maybe sixth round is a good spot for him, sixth or seventh. Then at number four, I've got Evan Ingram. I just said it, but the receiving core there in, in New York is just so thin. Golden Tate suspended, Corey Coleman hurt, Sterling Shepard hurt. I know Saquon Barkley's going to get a lot of carries and he's going to get a lot of um, targets, but even if he gets a lot, Evan Ingram's the next guy, right? So I think Ingram had a solid underrated rookie season. I love Evan Ingram fantasy this season. I'm not sure I'm going to aim for one of those guys in the big three, unless it's like the third round and I don't love anyone available. But if Evan Ingram's available in like the fifth, I, I want to be a little quiet here because Colin, my brother, the one that comes on the podcast, he's in the draft tonight. I don't want him to hear me, but if he's available like fifth or sixth round, I'm taking him. I just think he could be a very good starting tight end. He's young. He's going to get a lot of targets. I really like Evan Ingram this season. I think he put up a solid season as well last season. So, oh, with Evan Ingram. Then at number three, I've got George Kittle. Take your pick between K- Kittle or Ingram. Ertz, not Ingram, Ertz, between Ertz and Kittle. If you say Kittle is better than Ertz, I'm okay with that. 
I don't love it, though. People underrate Ertz, overrate Kittle, in my opinion. I want to see another year Kittle. Kittle's been in the league for two years. This is his third season. His rookie season wasn't bad. He showed potential. His second season was great. Now it's his third season. I think Kittle will be just fine. I'm not saying Kittle's going to drop an egg this season, but I do think some people are overrating him. I could see, see him put up a little bit worse. Still good, but a little worse stats than he did last season. At worst, he ends up being the fourth best tight end in fantasy, like if Evan Ingram has some really good year. But I doubt he'll fall out of the, the, the big three there. George Kittle's a great tight end. I just want one more year just to make sure I, I, I'm – seeing this correctly you know what I'm saying then at number two I've got Zach Ertz I, I think Zach Ertz is very underrated I love Zach Ertz uh, again not a huge fan of taking tight ends in the first two or three rounds this is also coming from the guy who picked Rob Gronkowski uh, two years ago in the second round and I picked Travis Kelsey in the uh, second round last season so it's coming from the guy that has picked tight ends in the second round back-to-back years but I think I'm gonna try to stay away from that this season and aim for like an Evan Ingram in like the fifth or sixth round uh but no Zach Ertz he's just so underrated uh, if he falls to the third round and there's no one you really love look look for Zach Ertz I wouldn't I'm not lying as long as he can stay healthy and him and Carson Wentz show at least somewhat of chemistry, which I think they have already, but as long as they keep clicking, he'll be great. Then at number one, the easy pick, Travis Kelsey. He's the best tight end in the league. You know, Zach Ertz and George Kittle are battling for number two, but Kelsey has the throne for number one. He's the best tight end in the league, and he's the best fantasy tight end. That's easy. I mean, Travis Kelsey's a beast. He's got arguably the best record, uh, quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes. So I just love Travis Kelsey. He's been able to stay health, pretty relatively healthy over his career as well. He's a beast. He's worth the second, late second round pick if you're really into tight ends. Not a, you don't even have to be into tight ends, but if you think, yeah, why not? I don't think this is a horrible pick. Personally, just picking tight ends kind of bothers me early in the draft, just because it's like, uh, you know, now I only have one, you know, one top something running back or receiver you know like if you pick a wide receiver and tight end in the first two rounds that's not too good if you pick a wide receiver in the first round you gotta go with the running back in the second and even the third round that's a little tip to throw out there but that is gonna wrap up today's episode probably the longest episode we have ever had on this podcast and I know the listens lately have been kind of up and down I know I've been kind of inconsistent ever since the summer started I know I used to post daily podcasts but you have to admit Although I don't post daily uh, podcasts anymore, I do it like every other day for an hour. At least. Like my average episode time is probably an hour, slightly over an hour. Before it used to be 30 minutes. So would you guys rather have an episode every other day for an hour or, uh, you know, two episodes, uh, an episode every day for 30 minutes? Take your pick. It really evens out. So I guess it's just because I'm getting to the news over the past two days. But I knew this was going to be a very long episode. I told you guys that. Uh, props to you guys who stick uh, around for the whole thing. If you just, you know, listen, just came for like the Andrew Luck part or just one little part, that's fine too. Whatever you're interested in. I'd obviously rather have you listen to the whole thing. But hopefully you guys enjoy it. Hopefully this episode does well because this has been a very long episode. It took a good amount of research as well. Wish me luck in my fantasy draft. I'll tell you guys how my team looks probably on the next episode. Uh, Good luck to Andrew Luck in retirement, I guess, and to those Colts fans. I somewhat consider myself a Colts fan. I'm a Patriots fan first, but 
somewhat of a Colts fan. Huge Andrew Luck fan as well. Well, Colts are my second favorite team. Long story. This isn't about me. But thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you next time.